from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and I am Perry. I am MJ. God, you guys are weird. This is Mark. <laughs> I try to follow his lead. It only works sometimes. It's a scary place to follow. Yeah. It's only, it, it only works sometimes if I'm awake enough to pay attention. <laughs> In the news. In the news. Dylan Mc, is Has Dylan's show come out? No. No. Okay. We had Dylan McGaster in the show in the studio a couple weeks back, mm-hmm. a famous YouTuber who gets uh, hundreds of thousands of views on his YouTube channel. He is focusing on a lot of tiny house spaces and uh, uh, van conversions and things like that. And I came across, actually, it came into my inbox, a Dylan McGaster show about Michelle's tiny house. Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and I have to say, um, Michelle's tiny house and the logic that went into it is what it's like one of the best, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best thought through designs that I've seen in the tiny house movement. Really? Yeah. Especially that the, uh, well, the stairs, not the stairs, but the rest <laughs> of it, the rest of it's pretty good. Really good. Actually. I Backhanded, mean, huh? <laughs> 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 I mean, she, the way she's, the, the explanation for how she designed it and why she designed it the way she did, like higher height in the place where she'd be spending more time, lower height, lower ceiling height in the places where she wouldn't be spending as much time, um, a, a true living room space, uh, the furniture that she had built specifically for her tiny house with storage incorporated in it. Mm-hmm. I really like how the bathroom is separated by the closet, which by the way, on Tiny House Luxury last night, the show I watched, they had built a, a tiny house similar in orientation as yours. But the the back where your bathroom is is a um, it's a little uh, nursery for a kid. Oh, it was really cool. That's pretty cool. Anyway, anyway, I was really impressed with um, Dylan covering your tiny house. Thank you. I take that as a very very high compliment coming from you and coming from him as well. I didn't expect a lot, not because I not because I don't love my house or I don't love Dylan and all, but his demographic is. is so different than I thought my house would appeal to. Yeah, you had said that off off camera or off off the air, and I don't understand that because they're not they're not looking at you; they're looking at your tiny house. No, 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 it wasn't that though. If I I think I'm again my perception or misperception of his of his listeners um, or his viewers was twenty five to thirty five year old adventure guys, right? Adventure. He lives in a van. He travels around the country. Oh, I see. So I thought it was really more so adventuring. No, it's was his was his, his focus. No, it's mostly space, living spaces. Just spaces, yeah. Yeah. smaller right. spaces, smaller though, spaces, not just yeah. tinies. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. a very rewarding, tinies. not only process. It was six. We filmed for six hours. Oh my gosh! So it was a really rewarding process, but I the results are really great too. Hmm. I'm pretty. It excited. was. It was really well done. It's it's interesting. The um, it did not include. Any sponsorships or advertising in it? Nope. Nope. Was that on purpose or did he just... I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But I, I do want to also say there was a lot, a ton of comments. I don't know, 800 and something comments. But uh, welcome to the podcast for all the people that just, that maybe signed up. 
Um, oh, that's right. You promote both of you promoted yes. the podcast. Yeah, on, both of us promoted the podcast. I did not yet. Both of us promoted I, the podcast. Told me. And there's a bunch of people that were like, "Okay, all signed up, ready for the podcast." Nice. So, nice. yeah, we nice. hopefully we got some new mm-hmm. listeners and subscribers, and and welcome to them. Well, welcome, and, and yeah. to our old listeners, we'll include a link in our show notes to okay. the show. Yeah, yeah. It was super fun. Even yep. Buffy made a guest appearance. I was just going to say, the other thing I didn't notice about, know about you is you had a fat-ass cat. <laughs> He's big. That's the biggest. And, and you had, the last time I visited your tiny house, you did not have that cat pole. Correct. Yeah. Now, well, his bedroom is the, is the guest loft. Oh, okay. And so I never put the ladder up to the guest loft, mm-hmm. and of course, unless I'm using it, but he wants to use it. Right. So it's basically like my entire house is his, like, cat tree right <laughs> so he runs up the stairs to my loft and then he runs across mm-hmm. this wow. um fabric covered it's carpet isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. or this carpet, carpet covered, covered pole. um pole that actually runs over to his you know loft and then you know he comes downstairs and of course the cat box under the stairs and he's got i mean it's, it's like, like a habit trail yeah, yeah it's, it's like a habit trail. Trail. Yeah. It is. yeah exactly and sometimes he'll treat you know like the lofts like berms you know he'll like and, like run around the house he can make like a full yeah, so um he's seventeen pounds. That's a big that ass is cat. A, that is a big ass cat. He's seventeen pounds. So when he actually jumps, sometimes when he gets really rowdy, he'll jump from the loft to the floor. Ooh. And the house actually wow. shakes. Well, because he's a big ass cat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Speaking about um tiny house designs. <laughs> or, tiny <laughs> or tiny nests. Or tiny nests. Yeah. Yeah. We've got uh, <laughs> a couple on our show today, um, Jake and Kiva. We're going to have to get into the etymology of that name, Kiva, not Jake, because Jake is so boring. I'm sure Jake, the person, is not boring, but the name is. Anyway. They um, love us already. Yes, they yeah. love us already. Are so Jake, here? Jake and Kiva are um, a Canadian couple living in um, Canada, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they got really ex- inspired in the tiny house movement as a result of watching a documentary on tiny homes. And they had been apparently dreaming for a while and then decided to build a tiny house starting, I think, in 2014. And in the process of designing their tiny house, they, they discovered that there aren't any how-to videos on YouTube about how to build a tiny house, at least the detail that they wanted to do. And so they embarked on creating something like that, I presume, and I, I guess that's why we're talking to them today. Yes, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, we'll let them speak for themselves, but I'm going to say I think they have the most, like uh, again, not only detailed, but absolutely the biggest number the most one of the best build your own tiny house resource video libraries wow. on the internet. So welcome Kiva and Jake. Yeah, hey, thanks for having thank us. You. you guys are so quiet. I thought you'd oh. laugh or something <laughs> when you were, when we were making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> now they're listening. They heard the show before. Oh, these guys. It's, it's because they're Canadians. They're so <laughs> <laughs> we gotta represent. <laughs> but, they must, but they must come down here fairly often. Um, I'm building the hideout on the same trailer that they used. Um, and so I've been watching their trailer videos. Um, they must come down here a fair amount. You come down here a fair amount? Yeah, well, we actually found ourselves um, visiting the States a, a lot more than we ever imagined as a result of getting involved with the tiny house movement because there's, you know, so much of it going on down there. Not to mention there's 10 times the number of people just in general. <laughs> Are there more people? I guess there are more people in the U.S. than Canada. Because mm-hmm. it's mostly, I, I'm being a stereotypical American here. Canada is mostly <laughs> Forest un, yeah, unpopulated. Bears. 
geographic and bears <laughs> and hockey. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge barren wasteland. No, it's, um, it's uh, a couple igloos. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of most of the, um, the settlement, if you will, is like a, along the border, right? And then it's a bit more sparse. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Jake and Kiva, how uh, how many videos do you have in your library? Oh, uh, well, the building series is over 70 now. 70 episodes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we have numerous other kind of random, like a couple tours and other just uh, informational type videos. But um, that building series is still still going because we're actually, we're behind <laughs> on the editing and we're also still not done a couple things inside the house. Uh, like you mentioned, we're, we started... <laughs> I mean, this is the whole subject to get into, but we started building in 2014 and did kind of like a lot of short spurts of like getting quite a bit done and then long periods of not really touching it. Yeah. So we're in one of those right now and we just um, have the kitchen and the shower and some, some cabinetry and stuff to uh, to finish off is where we're at right now. So there's also those things that, which need to be finished and filmed in the process. And then they'll also end up as kind of the, uh, the tail end of the building series when we get, get around to it. Mm. Yeah. Those round to it's are hard to get to. Um, <laughs> uh, do you, do you, do either of you have construction or uh, audio visual production background? Um, I had no building experience at all. I always say that the first piece of wood that I ever cut was framing for my house. <laughs> Which is filmed. <laughs> Which is filmed. Her first ever chop saw. Cut. Yep. Uh, but Jake is an electrician, so he has had some experience with tools and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did. I just barely completed uh, an apprenticeship, and then spent about a year um, as a journeyman working. So not a full career, long uh, span or anything. But uh, I did get comfortable with tools and stuff mm-hmm. um but never did any framing windows uh roofing plumbing propane any like siding all that stuff um just kind of had to learn that um as as we you know approach the project which is probably a great way to share the experience with your viewers yeah definitely that's kind of one of the um the things that we realized was good about what we ended up doing with the videos. Like we didn't really know what we were doing when we started. <laughs> well, and we were like, Oh, let's just, yeah, make this, let's, that's let's the YouTube. unique platform on which they yeah. stand. Yeah. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. kind of their shtick, right? Um, we don't know what we're doing, but we are going to inspire other people who to don't learn know what they're doing. exactly who don't know <laughs> to what they're not doing. Know either. To, <laughs> to learn from our mistakes, mm-hmm. to you know, to figure this out literally one tool, one yeah. project, one, you know, space at a time. Yeah. How mm-hmm. many how much how many tools did you have, Jake, when you started? I mean, being an electrician, I presume you didn't have like nail guns and chop saws, right? No, we didn't. I mean, we we kind of came back to um I don't know if maybe you want to talk about your parents' property at all. Yeah. Because there um, was a couple things here that we scrounged. Yeah, we were living in Victoria uh, in an apartment when we decided to build a tiny house. And 
just the circumstances happened that my parents own a home on acreage and they were renting it out at the time. So I kind of convinced them to kick out the renters so that Jake and I could move onto the property <laughs> and build our tiny house. And so when we came here, there was like a few tools in the garage that we utilized. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a chop saw it was the main thing that was just like a little bonus, but I bought a nail gun and a sander and angle grinder and just a bunch of kind of random yeah yeah that's right just a bunch of random stuff i had electrician's tools like kind of some hand tools and i had like um like a circular saw and yeah kind of half and half just a jumble random stuff and just made it work Hmm. so while you were an electrician 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 journeyman jake Mm -hmm. um kiva what were you doing uh, in Victoria, I was going to university and I was uh, managing a clothing store. Okay. And and are you doing that now still to make ends meet? Or what are you guys doing in that regard? Uh, no, I actually work at a fruit and veggie farm. Oh. And I also do uh, a lot of... There, I live in a really equestrian area, so I do a lot of like horse care. Oh, wow. You have background in that? Yeah, yeah. I grew up riding horses. Wow, cool. Yeah, she's legit. She like j- jumps horses and oh, was in competitions and stuff. You wear those. Those are mind. pretty tall to jump. Bridges. <laughs> They're called bridges, Perry. Bridges? <laughs> I was going to ask if she wore those tan chaps. They're not. They're those called guys bridges. Wear. Are they, the bridges are really called yeah, bridges? They're called With the black boots and that little beanie hat. Yeah. They wear. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you call that beanie? It's like a helmet. Oh, it's, a, it's an actual helmet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a helmet. Oh, wow. Yeah. I that you're using the term beanie. That's an American. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So my, so my question is two-part, because I do that famously. Number one, part number one, why a tiny house? And part number two is why videotape? the whole thing. So I will tell you a little confession. That's what we're asking ourselves, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so when I first started building mine, I actually produced two videos for my for a YouTube channel and that was my intent as well. However, I decided after two fuck that shit. Exactly. <laughs> it was so well, and again, it 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 interrupts and I was doing of course everything else. You're yeah. doing sourcing and you're doing yeah video and then you're doing editing and you're posting. Of course, I was also doing blogging and sponsor management and building. So I cut the video portion out of my, uh, shall we say, offering very, very early. And I don't like myself on camera, which doesn't help either. Um, but why a tiny house? And then why? That's a, that's a commitment mm. to yourselves and to the tiny house movement to say every step we make, every mistake we make, we're going we're gonna to show it to everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, so yeah, let's start with part one. Question. <laughs> um, he was I taking mean, we, notes. <laughs> <laughs> we were, like we said, living in an, uh, an apartment, like a one bedroom. And I had been working as an electrician. Kiva was doing her thing at the clothing store. And we had just been kind of coasting through life, just carrying on and uh, in Victoria and well, in a lot of places now, like it was just kind of starting and uh, like the, the housing, the cost of housing rising to ridiculous levels. Yeah. Um, 
had been starting right around the time that we actually started to think about, oh, well, where are we going here? What, what is our goal? Because we were just renting for so long. And we started looking at, you know, the, the reality and thinking, man, well, we're never going to buy a house here. Are we going to have to move away? Like, well, what are we doing? And then we came across this documentary. Where was it? That, was it through a class? Yeah, I was in a documentary film class for one of my electives and I had to like watch a certain amount of documentary films and write a paper on them. And of course I left it till like the night before it was due and I just like <laughs> searched, you know, free documentaries and and happened to come across the We the Tiny House People documentary. Mm, yeah. Nice. That's Kirsten Dirks. Yeah. 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 Yeah, have you guys seen that one? Yeah, we've, oh, yeah. we've actually had her on the show. Yes. We just recorded last week, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Nice, cool. So her show's just going to come up, what, one or two shows before yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So like that, and that's like a pretty old, I mean, old in terms of like internet documentaries <laughs> on tiny houses. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and it's not even necessarily on about tiny houses, uh, like tiny house on wheels. Um, it showed a whole bunch of different stuff in different parts of the world. Um, just about just showing different options for living basically, rather than just the standard get a house that's way too expensive for you. (laughs) So that sort of inspired us. And then I don't even know how it kind of snowballed from there into, or rather how it transitioned into specifically a tiny house on wheels. But that seemed to be the thing that was out there and, we realized that it was achievable both financially and physically. It was, looks like something that we could, we could actually build and pay for. Hmm. And, uh, and then it started to, then the conceptually it started to snowball when we, we were sitting there and talking about it. I definitely remember one specific moment where we were sitting on the couch and I was like, you know, this one bedroom apartment, like we don't even use the dining area. We always just like watch movies or whatever on my computer, which was set up as a hybrid station, like computer slash TV room in the apartment. And I was like, okay, well, we've got a kitchen. We've got the bed. We don't really use the bedroom other than to sleep. And then we've got this living room and we don't have a lot of stuff. We could just, we could easily fit this into a tiny house. Let's just do it. And, that's and so we, basically, we just reached this point where we're like, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's just do this thing. So what was your first stop on this? Speaking of the age of the internet. <laughs> so you had to start somewhere research wise. Um, you saw a documentary, which inspired you. Then where do you go? Um, well, we went to YouTube definitely yeah. and looked up whatever we could on there. We also got a couple uh, documentary or not documentary, um, like how to videos. Like we got Andrew Morrison's, Mm-hmm. Uh, DVD and Dan Lachey's building Video series. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the tumbleweed building. So the, mm-hmm. at the time, those were the three like established um, sort of companies or organizations that uh, had instructional media out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't a ton of stuff on YouTube. So like there was a lot of, really random handheld crappy clips and things that were called documentaries that were like 
17 minutes of some shaky thing and someone talking inside a <laughs> tiny house shell. Right. Like, what the heck is this? And that's actually kind of where we discovered that there was a, a hole, like a gap in, um, in what was available online. Like we went looking for, so, you know, people building a tiny house and seeing what steps they took and we didn't find it. That's because Michelle so, didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, but I guess I go straight into the second part of the question, which was why film it? So when we saw that there was nothing out there, we were like, Oh, you know, maybe we could film this and put it out there and, I don't know what we were thinking, to be honest. It's like, I don't know what we, were we were so far in, like we're so um, established with YouTube and uh, it's like part of our workflow. We probably spend more time doing video related and like website related stuff than we do actually building the house. I know. Now. Yeah. So and that's what I and even remember. Yeah. Originally, the only thing I do remember for sure is that we started building a, a tiny house for the sake of, living in a tiny house and somehow we got derailed and we still haven't fully <laughs> reached that goal because now we're, we're um, so involved in, uh, in pr producing stuff. And like I said, the website and all that. Hmm. So I have a, I have a question, I have a question for you about your decision to, I, I, I want to get, dig down deeper into the statement that you made a bit ago about the prices of housing in BC and both mm. of you concluding that you wouldn't be able to buy a house. Was that because you did not foresee yourselves um, like finding a way to make a lot of money so you could afford to live there? Or was it more that you did not, or was it that you decided, you know, we love the way our lifestyle is now. We're not interested in working in order to afford a big house. And so we're going to match our living style to our income style. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously having completed an electrical apprenticeship, I could have um, made pretty decent money and there was lots of work in Victoria and Kiva had a steady job as well. So I think it would have been physically possible to maybe buy something, um, but it just seemed so wildly impractical to try to buy into something that's not really possible to pay off. You know, I, I have been saying a lot lately that everything seems to be turning into a service rather than yeah. ownership. Yeah. It goes for cars and car shares uh, and mm. yeah. And, and even services. like, so, like some things work well, like software, like you paying a fee to access software and it gets updated more frequently. Right. But things like buying a car, it's like people people buy into the car, make the car payments, and then sell the thing. Like you, no one ever owns their own vehicle if you just buy new all the time. Which um, I never do. And, this, and this, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with um, with housing. And I don't know why. You know, I I have this mentality, but I prefer to. I've just always kind of preferred to own. Maybe I'm like like a control thing i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah we had friends who were buying homes or apartments at the time and 
I remember it was like, you know, they were going to be in their sixties when they paid it off. And that was like kind of mind blowing. And I guess we just didn't really have um, a real game plan with if we even wanted to stay in Victoria or sort of what we wanted our, our lifestyle to be. Um, we were in Victoria because we were both going to school. So yeah, a tiny house just kind of seemed like a good solution to, it was like a middle ground because we wanted to own something, but without having to kind of be stuck. In one place or stuck with the big balloon, big amount of investment or both or what? Uh, kind of both. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Everything about it just seems really restrictive because if you have that, you've committed to that enormous loan of a mortgage uh, and you have to make the payments. So, you know, you, you just said restrictive of, of where you want to be and then the the cost, but then also your job. Like you can't, if you decide to, you don't like your job anymore, you can't just quit because you have mm-hmm. these payments you have to make. You have to line something else up and if you're working or, or, you know, if you have some other project or something you want to get involved with, it's like, you can't really, you just don't have enough time yeah. to explore that. And that's something that we talk about all the time that right now that, you know, we're kind of, we feel like we're flailing, like doing all these random sort of half-baked business ideas and doing this YouTube channel and trying to like turn this tiny nest into a little bit bigger of a source of income. But the fact that we can do that is the, is a direct result of how much free time we have because we're not uh, working full-time jobs. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the, as I think about <clears throat> the potential of living someplace, like owning someplace, something again, I agree with you, Jake. I, I, when I think about it, the only thing that I come up with is whatever I would buy on real, on dirt would be stuck on dirt in that, mm-hmm. in that location. And, and I've even gotten so far as to thinking about a tiny house on wheels isn't enough because you still have, it's kind of like what um, Josh, was that his name? The guy we interviewed from the, from prison? Yeah, from, mm. I was yes. going to say that, but I didn't want to stereotype I him know. as a ex-con. Yeah, yeah, Josh. That was rude. Yes, Josh. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Um, I didn't, I, Josh had said in our interview that um, he did not want the burden of having a whole bunch of stuff. And I can see, and I'm at the point where even, even a tiny house would be a whole bunch of stuff to me. Right. And so that's why I've been contemplating having a sailboat to live on because it's, it's super mobile and it's about as small as you can get and but the maintenance of it is still really high. And so I, I'm wondering, Jake, there's, there seems to be a lot of your, I'm presuming you're younger than I am, that there are a lot of people your age who are considering this mind for, mindset that you are of rather than working to pay off things, I'm going to choose to live and enjoy the life of living and adjust my lifestyle to that. Mm. Well, for instance, my daughter, um, so my daughter's 23 years old. She, um, she has perfect credit, right? She's got two jobs. She's in college, got perfect credit. Like, and I bought her a little SUV originally um, for her to, you know, learn how to drive and get around town. And now, you know, we watch TV and I'm like, hey, that $99 a month payment on that brand new, you know, Kia, that brand new car, whatever. I'm like, that's you. You know, when they talk about, uh, um, unapproved credit, 
Yeah. That, that was never me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you. Like uh-huh. you, if you really want to, you could buy a car, you know, you could buy a car and, and she's like, why would I do that? The car I have is perfectly fine yeah. and I'd have to work more and I have yeah. to work longer and yeah. then I'd have to pay more insurance. And she just automatically somehow, maybe it's a generational thing, but somehow she just automatically logics her way out of that sort of almost resisting yeah, that obligation. consumer-based, yeah. right? Yeah. Almost yeah. resisting that sort of consumer-based um, programming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of, a. I think it's like once you've identified that kind of thing you can't it's like once you see it you can't unsee it yeah you know right like it's funny you bring up cars i'm just gonna throw in my little little tidbit about my car i've only ever owned one car i bought it in 2007 for four grand and it's a 1990 nissan 240 sx (laughs) and it's the only car i've ever needed yeah and i uh, I have had to do like bits of maintenance, and of course, I've like gotten interested in DIYing it, like just simple stuff. But I just try to take care of it, and I, you know, obviously, I paid. Well, I did get a loan actually from the bank. This is before we were even into tiny houses. I got a loan from the bank to to buy it, mm. but I've long since paid that off. So I own own it outright. It's this machine that is mine, and it's up to me as long as I can keep it running and keep it safe. I don't ever need anything else mm-hmm. so why would i there, there's like this incentive this implied incentive to you know get a new car upgrade and constantly be you know trading up but it's like there's no what's the point of that what's well, the benefit well let me ask let me let me play devil's advocate on that mm-hmm. do you do you have a cell phone yeah do you upgrade your cell phone every, frequent not frequently but two to three years two to three years or so yeah. Why do you do that? You're talking to a tech techie. <laughs> okay, good. Because we have to now. Well, well, is it? So why a lot do you, of why them do you crap out though? That's true. They do. That's true. I did. I you know the last um, the last phone I had was well actually okay here so here's my phone history. <laughs> I had Kiva Kiva bought me a used iPhone one. Wow. In what was that? That was a long time ago, or something, because <laughs> they came out in two thousand seven, and um, and that was the first cell phone I ever owned was was the iPhone one, and then I've only had three phones since then. Okay, and three in ten years. Last one I had was it, I bought used. Okay, just trying to you know not overspend, get something that's good enough. Um, yeah, I definitely try to avoid. Even with tech, I do want good tech, but I, I try to be reasonable still be like, well, it's got to be good enough, but it doesn't have to be like the top, top of the line thing. Well, I guess, and that's the question. It's like with regard to your car. And again, I, I agree with what you're saying about not buying a car because you just want to keep up with the Joneses, but there are elements of like safety features or navigational features, or even just like, like I imagine a car that, so like, um, this car, I bought this 2008 Honda Accord, um, last year and gave it to my stepdaughter. And when I, before I gave it to her and was driving it, the seats were freaking terrible to sit in. And this was a luxury car back in 2008, but because, you know, the, the seats, they wore out. And so you could feel like the metal bars and, the, and mm. stuff like that. And so I wonder, is your 240SX that, is, did you put new seats in it or something? I mean, that would be a reason to want to get a new car, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, it's pretty. How how's the passenger seat? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> how's the driver's seat? No cliche there. I, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I put seat covers on it okay. a long time ago and don't really look under there very often. Awesome <laughs> uh, scratches. It's comfy, it's comfy now. I also don't use it a ton yeah. uh, anymore. I mean, it was, it's been my only car, so it was my daily driver for when I was working full time, obviously. But now, in the last couple of years, it's like, you know, I only use it every other day or maybe even less than yeah. every other day. Yeah. Um, which also prolong. So it, everything is like cumulative, you know, like um, if you, if you're not uh, working, you don't have to, to be doing all this stuff all the time to maintain a complex life. Right. You actually expend less money and require less at the same time. So mm-hmm. it just, it all, opens up really quickly mm-hmm. when you, when things get trimmed down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. One more quick comment about the cars before I actually move on to the next subject. Um, I would, I think I need a truck, right? So I'm, I don't think of, I don't think of vehicles as um, sort of keeping up with the Joneses. I think of them as functionality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a convertible. My daughter drives my <laughs> SUV. He rolled his eyes. I rolled his eyes. I rolled my eyes because she does all this handyman type stuff and builds tiny houses, but she drives around in a convertible. I will tell you though, if you don't have a truck, the convertible is the next best thing. Cause seriously, it could be the middle of the put, winter and true. I put my top down right. and I can stack probably a that's half a unit's right. worth of eight foot lumber in the backseat. <laughs> right. Not oh, even you, joking. You don't want to challenge me with what I've done with the 240. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So I drive a convertible. My daughter drives the SUV. So mm-hmm. if we want to go somewhere as a family or if I want to tow my other trailers, then I tow it with the SUV. My son drives a sports car. So if I want to go out on the town or be fancy, <laughs> then I drive this car. But um, yeah, so when it comes to cars, I actually wish I had a truck, but I haven't. I can't bring myself to make payments. Right. But the next subject, however, I want to talk actually is the perception of risk. So I'm actually have now multiple, I actually now have multiple tiny houses. So everyone assumes that I'm going to, or that I already do. (laughs) Most women wish they had multiple tiny houses. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the closet space. (laughs) Most people assume that I already do, or I want a place to put them. So first of all, it's really ironic that I don't have a place technically to put them. But when I start to explore the discussion, I, I start to talk about tolerance for risk. Until tiny houses are more legal, shall we say, yeah. I'm not going to go out and pay $100,000 for a piece of land, put a bunch of tiny houses on it that later on I can't use. Mm-hmm. So is that part of, um, Kiva and Jake, is that part of your assessment as well? Not just sort of your current living style maces, matching your current values and all that, but what about your tolerance for risk? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're willing to just kind of um, I guess fly by the seat of our pants for now, or I don't know how to describe it. Like uh, this area that we're in is, is really ideal. There's a lot of things about having kind of um, partnered up with Kiva's family to use this land and everything. That's been extremely um, like a huge bonus, obviously. Uh, and there's, there's people around um, that have RVs. We've seen like, um, with clearly family members staying in RVs for like many months at a time. And we can, we, and everyone's pretty chill. Everyone has animals and like a big properties, like five acres or more. And 
no one has ever like said anything remotely negative about the house sitting here. So we're sort of safe in that way. We were pretty um, careful about it at the beginning when we first started building and we went around to the neighbors and sort of told them what we were doing. And so everyone around here is quite supportive of it. And a few of them actually want one. Um, So we feel pretty lucky to be in this area. But we're also just, we did take the mentality of we're just going to do it. It is a risk. Um, but this is what we want. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with it. So we're just going to sort of be the change we want to see. Nice. Um, you know, if we, if we waited for like 10 years and hassled city councils and stuff to try to like approve it in some way, we'd be, you know, wasting our life. Yeah. Um, when there's no reason we can't just do it, you know? Um, also we like, we built this house, like we overbuilt this house. And that's another mm. good thing about having the building series is you can literally see every step of our build. So mm-hmm. if anyone was questioning, it's like integrity. Yeah. We could be like, here's 75 oh, episodes. Right. Yeah. Right. And like thousands of photos. We, we documented everything very carefully so that we could always, it's, um, we took the, uh, ask for, for forgiveness rather than ask for permission yeah. approach. So it's like, just, just do the thing, do it right. Yeah. You know, take it seriously. And then, you know, if someone has a problem with it, like, you know, whatever the problem is, we'll, we're confident we'll be able to deal with it. Also, um, I always, this is something that I just came up recently when, when someone came up to me who was just getting started and was like, Oh, you know, we're still trying to figure out where to put it. And I had this conversation with them and kind of realized that one thing I didn't really, I don't really think about that's more subconscious is that, um, I have a really good friend who has, uh, like a big farm that's really private that's completely like enclosed with trees and uh sort of like loosely talked to him about you know if we needed to could we ever bring the tiny house there and that that is an open option so we kind of have this like backup yeah um and so i realized that's something that i i recommend to people is that if if you're building and you're especially if you're going to try to be putting it in like um an urban area is your goal. Uh, it's a good idea to line up something rural where you can kind of hide the house <laughs> as a backup. If, so if, if you get hassled and you get like evicted and you're told like, you know, you have to move this thing within 48 hours or whatever, and you have nowhere to go, it can be, you know, not a fun experience. But if you have like a friend of a friend or some like second cousin that has like, property even if it's like hours away um if you have that lined up as a backup it can be like a uh, a good like psychological risk reduction right so you know that you're never going to be completely effed right (laughs) (laughs) they're so nice canada (laughs) you're complete so what's up with the name how come you copied my name Uh oh (laughs) oh the nest (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that was Jake. we used to always like make nests in like blankets and stuff like that and watch movies wasn't that it yeah <laughs> it was like a joke i remember kiva came and visited for um me when i was in i went to university for two years and then i dropped out so we, well, we're not going to talk about that 
But um, no, uh, but Kiva came and visited in like this tiny like dorm, and I was uh, I was trying to make it like fun to like hang out, and I made like this nest. Or I bored I bored a bunch of everyone's spare like bedding. <laughs> their spare bedding. Everyone, I, all the dorms came with like a spare set of bedding, and I like went around and like bored it all and made like this like nest. <laughs> so it was like this from really early on. It was like this inside joke, I guess. And so I was like, oh, this is the tiny house. It's the tiny nest. Funny. So the the um yeah, yeah the video um the the process of creating the videos um is is a very creative process and you kind of have to be in the right mindset and the right headspace. Um, so how does that process work? So do you schedule and you say, okay, today we're going to build this or we're going to do this, and you're going to film and you're going to build and then. Like, how does that process work? Because I have a hard enough time. Um, again, I have a lot of sponsors, and so I do a ton of blogging and social media and Facebook and stuff. So sometimes it's just really, really hard if you're not in the right mindset. Um, how does that process go, and how challenging is it to constantly be drawing on your own creative resources? I mean, it's... It's just like some days are better than others. Yeah. Some days it will take us like two hours to say, you know, the right thing about one stuff we're doing. Yeah, it's it was more of like just an addition to the work of building. And, you know, at first we took it. It's always been and still is kind of our approach to keep it fairly not dry, but like straightforward. Um, is I think people fall into the trap, especially on YouTube, of trying to create a, too much personality and, uh, and a persona or something, and yeah. like make make it a. I don't even know how to describe it. Like I don't know. I don't know what people are trying to do sometimes. <laughs> like trying to make it about them. Mm -hmm. We when we you know set out, we were trying to fill like an like a, a functional informational hole by just putting it out there, keeping it straightforward, just being ourselves. And over time, we've gotten a little bit more loose with it in terms of just feeling more comfortable on camera, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite technical. So there isn't too much creativity when it comes to just the, the building filming. It's more just like it slows us way down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like kind of a burden to add on to the, project which is why it's taken so so long um and we're still still at it but it it did open up kind of created two separate avenues one of which is like what i just described very functional and then we have made some kind of more creative for fun videos i think my favorite video is um the uh what is it called tiny house big battle or something and it's like oh, we yeah. play nintendo against each other <laughs> And I just had this, I had this random idea one day. I was like, you know what? Let's like shoot this video. And I had, I had this idea of like which shots to do and kind of make it like dramatic, where you see this close up of like putting the game in, and then our you see our hands like playing the game or whatever. And that was really fun. So, do, doing like creative stuff like that is kind of a an extra thing. Oh, and also we just put out the video from um, New York. Yeah. Oh, you did very cool. What was that? Do you want to talk about that a bit? Uh, yes. Um, we won a contest to, and uh, got flown to New York and participated in a week-long workshop. It's called YouTube Next Up. 
and we had to make a video project while we were there. And so we didn't have our house with us, obviously. So we kind of had to get a little bit creative and we used one of their studio spaces and all their gear. And yeah, it was really fun. So it was basically just like a comedy sketch. Yeah, we made like a little comedy sketch about tiny houses. Of course, we had to bring tiny houses into it, but yeah. And I should mention that it's like hosted by YouTube. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How did you win that? We did decide. I don't know. And that's the answer. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> we just felt like we had to answer deal these too. questions. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a couple essay questions with like these huge open text boxes. And we, we just wrote like very short thing where like, it was like the last day I liked it. It was my um, brother-in-law that sent the link. So, Hey, you guys are, you know, right in the range of, cause it was restricted to channels of a certain size, uh, certain okay. number of subscribers. Mm-hmm. So, hey, this would be perfect for you guys. You should try it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then I like saved the link. And then I was like, Oh, that deadline's coming up. Let's just, so we just like whipped together some answers, sent it off. And we get a reply and it's like, Hey, you guys are selected. And we were one of 20 channels total. Um, that, that were brought out there for the, sort of like group um workshop cool um but yeah really and i should also i should mention quickly that um my brother-in-law and and sister uh encouraged us significantly to do youtube like i remember distinctly remember having a conversation where i was like um saying oh we're thinking about filming and she was like yeah you should do it you should definitely like build a channel do all this stuff because they have a really successful youtube channel called pancake manor which is um, 100% creative, like music videos for kids. Huh. It's oh, just like fun. a completely different thing, but they were already um, like well established and basically living off of YouTube income at at the time that we started our thing. Wow. So they were really supportive of it and gave us tips and stuff, and we we sort of took our own approach to it, and you know start, started off with a really poor quality like camera gear and stuff and um but over time we've we've um stepped up our game i guess he's <laughs> yeah i think most people who started in this home- homegrown manner start with crappy videos and crappy equipment i mean even us here at the podcast we had started with the basically a dictaphone dict- <laughs> a, a video or that's audio- an american word yes dictaphone. <laughs> an audio tape recorder and we would record the interviews in a conference room with no headphones or mics. Or and set the dictaphone on the computer so the guests would be recorded exactly. as we all leaned into it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And the other people we've had on the show who are YouTube celebrity type people have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. not alone. Yeah, I think that's how everyone goes. And that's what, that's what YouTube people always say is like, don't wait to get gear yeah. or yeah. wait until you're good because you're not going to get good without just doing it. Do you bad first. Start exactly. And right. you'll figure it out. You'll, yep. you'll figure out how to improve. Well, um, it looks like Jake and, and Akiva that you have improved and um, really liking the photos on your website. For those of you who are listening to the show, their website is tinynestproject.com and uh, you can find their YouTube channel from there. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today, you two. It was great talking with you, eh? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I waited to the very end. Uh, <laughs> then you pull the punch. Uh, <laughs> and tune in next week, uh, listeners, for another exciting episode on the Tiny House Podcast. And we will see you then. Namaste. We love you and we mean it. Oh. Aww. 
Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>